I'm going to read the, uh, we're in 1 John chapter uh, 1. We'll finish the chapter. I'll read the whole thing. Um, we won't really review last week because it, it kind of stops us from getting to where we need to be this week. Before we start, let me just say, last week I forgot to announce, I had some radishes I got from my garden, and I had them out there, and some people took them, and some didn't see them, so we had to take some home. And I got lettuce today, and so far all we've had is like lettuce and radishes, okay? Uh, the lettuce are looking really good. I got like 18 plants. I think I cut like half a dozen of them, like whole heads. But they're that um, leaf lettuce. And again, just fresh picked this morning. If you like that sort of thing, help yourself. And because if you guys, as you know, when, I know a lot of you just like can and everything you get, you use. And God bless you, that's fine. I'm not suggesting it should be otherwise. Me, kind of more of a hobby and we're not doing a lot of canning. So if I get extra, I'll just bring it. You know what I mean? So that's how we'll do. And you're welcome to do that as well. Just... So out there, they'll, they'll be there. And if, if there's anything there, just feel like, yep, take it. Okay. So here we are, First John. I'll read the first 10 verses. And uh, like I say, we looked at uh, verses 1 through 4, which was, is kind of like the prologue to the, um, the epistle. This week, we'll get into the heart of it a little bit. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll start starting. Father, we pray your blessing on your great word. And speak to hearts and change us, Lord. We, 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 we readily confess we're not where we need to be. We always say nobody's perfect, but we would be. And your word calls us to a perfection of, not a perfection of, uh, of performance, because we're always going to fall short of that, but a perfection of relationship, like real, like legitimate, like not hypocritical. So we would, Lord, take a step in that direction here this morning. Perfectly, no, but substantially. How about that? If we, if we take one big step forward, we'll be happy. One big step forward towards you and towards fellowship with you. So blessed to that end, we ask it in Jesus' name. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which ye have heard and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, let's take this apart. Last week, we again, this, um, John does this. He does this in chapter 1 of his gospel. He does this in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. He does it here in his writings. It's kind of a prologue, kind of, okay, this is what we're going to talk about. This is what you need to know about. And he does it in the first four verses. And he's talking, I think, verse 3, in my thinking, is what the whole epistle's about. That ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm writing a letter, and you know why? So that you can have fellowship with us 
and with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You mean it? <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, not for everybody. Not for everybody. The majority of people do not want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not want to have koinonia, fellowship, do life together, share life, the same life. Most people don't want that. Say, why is that, Adam? Well, I have my suspicions. A lot of people say, well, I, you know, prayed and I tried to find God and I couldn't find him. And I always, like, the Bible says, if you seek from with all your heart, he'll be found by you. And if you're not finding him, what's the, what's the, what's the breakdown? I think people on finding God like, like robbers on finding cops, they're not looking very hard, right? That would be kind of the antithesis of what they want. They say they want God. You know, if I were to say to you know a school pupil, you can have a relationship with the principal, they would say, uh, no thanks, because uh, they perceive of him as a bad guy. He's on the opposing team. I'm a kind of a class clown. I don't do my homework like I should. I'm not the best student. I don't really think I want to have a relationship with this with the principal or the superintendent or the vice principal. I don't even hardly stand being in the same class with my teachers, never mind. And so we have this attitude, and I think we bring it into our spirituality a lot of times because God is this cosmic cop, and our lives don't stand up a lot of times. I think that's kind of what we're... And so, um, but, but there's a... Okay, there's a problem, and there's an easy solution, a really easy solution, and then there's a way to move forward. And I think that's what the rest of the chapter is about. Um, you know, his verse 4 is our fellowship with... Uh, we're, we've written this to you that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Is there a, a, a purpose for all that? And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Fellowship with God is full joy. Fullness of joy. Listen, that's what, isn't that what like life is? We talked about this last week. I want to do what I want to do. Why? I think it'll make me happy. I suggested last week, if you try to please yourself and do make yourself happy, that is the most miserable way to live. And I guarantee you misery. It just, it just works out that way. It's not intuitive. You think like, if I do all the things I want to do and don't do any things I don't want to do, my life will be just overflowing with joy. But I've been making that selection a long time and it hasn't resulted in joy. It's resulted in bondage, aggravation, consternation to everyone who loves me. It's, it's a breakdown in my relationship. It hasn't advanced any of them at all. But when I fellowship with the Father, and the Father is speaking to my heart, and Jesus Christ is what my life is all about, I find my relationships very fulfilling. And I have things to say to people, important things, more than just like COVID-related things, or political-related things, or what's the topic of the day? Isn't that weather wonderful? How's the job? How's the weather? How's the Red Sox? And that's all we talk about when we go on to other things. Now we don't have the Red Sox. Now what are we going to do? COVID replaced the Red Sox so we can, you know, how's the weather? How's the job? How about that strain of influenza that's got us all hunkered down in the house 
collecting toilet paper or whatever. So that's it. That's what we got. I find when God's on speaking my heart, the things I have to say to others are very mundane. Have you found that too? And there's no joy. But when I'm walking with Lord and fellowshipping with him, my life is overflowing with joy. And my relationships are going great. Thank you very much. These things write unto you that your joy may be fulfilled, that your joy may be full. If you haven't been walking with the Lord and you haven't experienced fullness of joy, I, I, <laughs> can I just suggest, and I'm not, I'm no one's judge, I'm really not. Hey, try walking with the Lord. Try fellowshiping with Him. Start it off with prayer. Well, I haven't been. Well, we'll get we're getting ahead of ourselves because He's going to give us the wherewithal to make the first part of this a reality. Let's keep keep going. Th- then this is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and Him is no darkness at all. If we're going to fellowship with Him, this is what we got to know. He's light, and there's no darkness at all. Is there hypocrisy? No, He hates that. Is there, like, sin? Not a practice of it. Not a practice of it. Yeah, you've done this with, you have relationships, right? Uh, my wife doesn't smoke, which works out because I don't either. If I smoked and she didn't, that'd be very hard on our relationship. I'd have to go outside all the time. Zero dark 30 in the morning. Thousand degrees below zero. You know how Maine winters are. Dark, cold. And I got to go out there. <laughs> that would be a real strain on my relationship. Then when I come back, she'd say, oh, you, you reek. And I'd have to take a shower. You know, you remember when, uh, when we were first apprentices and we had to go to all the apprentice meetings? And back then, Stan and Woody smoked. And everyone was allowed to smoke. And they said... Um, you can smoke if there's an ashtray near you. And there was 743 ashtrays in Brewer. And I don't know, probably Augusta the same way. And they said slight reaching was okay. And I would come out of that, just blue around the gills. And I would just be, and I would reek of cigarette smoke. Reek. And I'd come home and she'd go, oh, ugh, go take a shower. And I would shower and I would wash my hair. And I would wash and wash and scrub and stuff like that. And I'd come back to bed. She goes, no, another one. That's Now, she's... She has these, okay, so I've been in like um, the paper industry mo- most of my adult life and my sense of smell is, that was burned out years ago. I don't know, I, I don't have a great sense of smell and uh, so I can't, she, cause, and, but sometimes it works good because we're driving the car, she goes, oh, do you smell that? And I'm thinking, what? It's probably me, I don't know, what? And, and it's like, so she's all stressed out, me? No problem, okay? No sense of smell and a lot of times that works out really good, so... Uh, it, well, anyway, uh, so if I was smoking, she was, we'd have a real tough go of our in our relationship, right? It was just something that we'd have to. Now, if 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 she is like walking in the light, and I'm not walking in the light, say my my life is characterized by sin and deceit. You see how that doesn't work? It doesn't make for good. You know, she's always like, okay, what's he up to now? Oh, he's telling me one thing. I wonder what, what's really going on. And that naked and not ashamed, which, by the way, is what God has called us to, that open the intimacy, that non-hiding, that's what all our relationships are supposed to look like, and especially married relationships. There's no subterfuge. There's no undercurrent. There's no saying one thing, doing another. Oh, 
boy, I hope my wife doesn't see me now. I hope she never catches me in this. But when there is none of that, what a wonderful relationship. Well, it's the same with the Lord. But in him is light. There's no darkness at all. If we're walking in darkness, guess what? We're not walking with him. Now, what does it mean to be walking in darkness? It's not talking about, I use cigarette smoke as, a, as an example. If you smoke, the Bible say anything about smoking, I don't, I'm, that, that's a really bad example. I'm just saying that's how it is. I was just giving that as an example my wife. What does it mean to walk in darkness? It means to walk contrary to the Lord. It means to, to have subterfuge, to have, there's no honest and openness. There's, there's, there's always a kind of a hiddenness. On, uh, and, and will he walk with us in that, in, in that circumstance? No. It says so. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say, and this is the first time we're introduced to that, look at uh, verse 8, if we say, look at verse 10, if we say, look at, uh, and is, is it anywhere else in the book? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, how about First John chapter 4, verse 20? If a man say, and look at that, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, guess what? That guy's a liar. He that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Good point, John. So we're, 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 saying, we're, we're introduced as if we say. Why? Because people say something and it doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily true. People come to me and they say about like a politician, well, how can he say he's a Christian and he believes in abortion? And I'm thinking like, how do you not know that? Um, can I name a few names? So we have Mike Pence. He's uh, the Vice President of the United States. Most of you guys know that. How many people know that? Okay, good. Yeah, good. You, good. You're right up there. Uh, I sat on college campus, and they would be three hands. I'm sure. I don't know. But listen, we know. Is Mike Pence a credible Christian man, do you think? I think so. Uh, is he pro-life? Yes. Now, if Mike Pence were not, and he says he's a Christian, now that's a problem. No, like, remember uh, uh, Sarah Palin ran for... She's claimed to be born again. I think she had a consistent Christian witness. Do you think so? I, I think so. I think so. Perfect? No, I, you look close enough. Listen, don't make an idol out of me. This idol has feet of clay. Don't idolize me. Later on, you'll demonize me. But is, is my life credible? Christian? Sure, I think so. I think so. And and we can name others. Uh, McIlvaney, no, what's her name? The new uh, press secretary. Kay Kaylee Mac McIlvaney, something like that. Uh, she's, uh, she graduated Georgetown and Harvard. She was in Harvard. And is she a credible Christian? She says she is. I, I think so. She promised the press she'd never lie. Has she yet? Not, not to my knowledge. They'll, they'll catch her when she does. Don't you worry about that. They scrutinize every last word. Is she a credible Christian? Yeah. Now, should I name someone who's not? No, I'm not going to do that. But you know them. People ask me questions. They come up to them. How does this one say they're real religious and stuff? And they believe in, you know, taking a person. They believe in homosexual marriage. And they believe in, you know, and they give me a whole list of stuff like this. And I'm thinking like, well, the Bible talks about that. If we say one thing and we do another. I'm surprised that you're surprised. How do you not know that the Bible says that? Now, does the Bible say that so we can look at politicians and find inconsistencies. So I'll put one face up here on the screen. What do you think? I'll put down real Christian. And we'll go through them. And stuff like that. Is, is the Bible saying for that reason? No, it does not. And by the way, I didn't name anyone on a negative way. 
because I'm not into disparaging. I don't want to disparage anybody. What's it saying? It says, if we say, let's just look at we then, shall we? Now, I, I'm not going to ask for a vote, or I'm not going to ask people to stand up or raise your hand or anything like that. We'll just, we'll just look at what it says, and we'll, we'll look at us in light of what it says. If we say we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not truth. Is that very harsh language? It kind of is, isn't it? And you'll look and you'll say, oh, I wish you wouldn't say that, because, you know, last night or last week or the other day, now, if I asked for a show of hands and everyone was compelled to be honest, and I said, within the last couple of weeks, did anyone do anything that was inconsistent with the truth? And we're going to get 100% of hands. But I don't think that's what it's asking at all. I'm talk- I think it's talking about a walk. And a walk is a walk. A misstep is a misstep. Right? Um, have you ever learned how to dance? Have you taken ballroom dancing or something like that? Dance is dance. You ever take a misstep? Dancing? Yeah, mine is made up of mostly missteps. If you see me dance, it's like a dancing bear. It's not it's not pretty, okay? It's not it's nothing you really want to see. Um, um we watched a, a ballet years ago and it was the uh, nutcracker, which thing we love by the way. And the main head ballerina girl, the one who was the protagonist of the whole she she fell, like right over. I don't think it was in a script. It was a misstep. We understand missteps, don't we? That's not what it's saying. If we have a practice of our walk is not consistent, it is contrary. And I've given you some example. Well, I've given you some food for thought. I haven't mentioned the actual names. But there's that all over the place. Now, people are watching, and if they if if you take that consistent misstep, they'll call you on it because. I mean, once you're out of the closet and you actually let everyone know that you're born again and you love Jesus, don't worry. They are looking. And when you take a misstep, they'll let you know. And if your walk is contrary to what it should be, they'll let you know about that as well. They'll let you know about that even when it's not true. When you go by their judgment, they're going to judge you for not being pro-choice, not being pro-homosexual behavior. I'm talking about homosexuality. Because I've always said you should love homosexual people just like you like everybody else. You should, you should love. We should also love one another. That goes without saying. But if our walk isn't consistent with what we say, we lie and do not the truth. And by the way, we know that if we're doing that or not. No joy. That was a good place for me, man. Let me tee it up again. Uh, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So walking in the light, walking in a consistent manner, it's not darkness, no hypocrisy, no subterfuge, no, we're, we're really what we say, claim that we are. Perfectly? No, but consistently. No missteps? Who's saying that? I don't think it's the Bible saying that. But when we mess up, not yet, when. You know that. Am I, am I talking to anyone here who says, I never sinned. I, I, you're, I don't know what tree you're barking up, but I'm perfect and I never sinned. We never say that. I mean, we've come to that place of accepting who we are. We don't say that. But if we walk in the light, is he in the light? We have fellowship one with another. 
and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. I love King James here. Sometimes I criticize King James. I love it here. Cleanseth. Say, oh, you like the S? No, but they, no, I don't talk that way normally, but it tells us something. That verb form there tells us cleanses and keeps on cleansing. It's continuous present action. And if you have a, like a New American Standard NIV, it doesn't always say that cleanses and keep on keeps on cleansing but that's what it's saying so we walk with him we're walking with him in the light and what happens the blood of jesus cleanses us from all sins are you going to need that you're going to need that you're going to need walking with the lord you're going to need that you're going to you're going to need him to keep cleaning you keep continually say i'm not sure about that can you give me an example oh i don't know how about the last supper right he washes their feet. Why? Their feet are dirty. Wow, Adam. Did you go to school learn that sort of stuff? And Peter, I think Peter, I love Peter. You you love Peter. And he's like, no, yeah, because he's going to get like points again, right? Thou art Petrus, and upon this rock, you know, Petra, I mean. And right, he's going to get points. Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. Well, if I don't wash you. You have no part with me. Is Jesus alluding to 1 John chapter 1 that hasn't been written yet? Well, yeah. I mean, the whole, everything is, is the word of God. Everything here, Jesus wrote, okay? The Spirit of God wrote, or Jesus wrote. It's the same, okay? To say that God wrote it, I, you can say that God the Father wrote it, God the Son wrote it, God the Holy Spirit wrote it. They're all in agreement, okay? When Jesus was speaking it back on that night, he was saying what the Bible was going to record later on. If you don't, if I'm not cleansing you continually, you have no power with me. And, and what does Peter say? Well, not only my feet, but my head and my hands. In other words, give me a bath. What does Jesus say? He that is clean doesn't need a bath. He just needs his feet washed. What is he saying? Peter, you're already born again. You've already been cleansed by my blood, even though it hasn't been shed yet. But I'm just doing some touch-up work. Do you understand the difference? Because I don't think a lot of people do. Um, I had this idea of like, I sinned and then I go and I'd auricularly, orally confess to a priest who would give me a couple of Hail Marys to say and then all my sins would be gone and I'd be in a state of grace. That's what the Bible taught, right? No, that's what a certain prominent religion teaches. And then all the sins in between my visits to the priest, they kind of accumulated and kind of accumulated until up over my head. And I better go see the priest again. I'd run in there and tell him, okay, Father, I did this and this and this and this and this. And I had the whole, and he'd say, okay, say a rosary or a million rosaries because you're a bad guy or whatever. And he'd give me penance and on I went again. And if I died right after confession, I'd go right to heaven because I was in a state of grace. Because the Bible says that, right? It doesn't say anything like that. What does the Bible say? If we walk in in the light and we're walking with him, you know, he's continually cleansing. We're continually confessing and he's continually cleansing. He's continually doing that touch-up work. Why? Because you're going to keep needing that. Uh, I think some Christians think this, like this. We don't confess our faults to a priest, but we do confess them to God. We, You know, I I have the same idea. I, I say to the Lord, you know, I did this, 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 and I shouldn't have done that. And he says, okay, uh, I forgive you, you're all set, and now we're, we're, we're me and him are cool again. We're, we're, we're on the same page. And I get, you know, I'm walking through this world, and I do this, and I stumble here, and I, 
don't quite tell the truth here and I act hypocritical here and I do this here and I gain all these sins again and they're all there and they're all against me and they're all like waiting to jump up and bite me and if I die now photo finish it with hell or with probably there's some sort of purgatory or something or lose a reward or and we have this idea that I didn't confess and so they're still kind of out there ready to get me what verse are you looking at because I don't know anything the Bible teaches that the blood of his son continually cleanses us from all sin should we should we apologize should we confess oh I think that's a wonderful thing because let's say me and Sue's have a dust-up, just hypothetically. It would never actually happen. But let's just make believe that it could, right? And let's just say that I was at fault. Just I know, I know, right? You're incredulous. You're saying, not you, Adam. I know, I know, right? But let's just say so. Now, uh, I have a question. Well, we're in this loggerhead state. Are we married? Yeah. Yeah. I... I told her her macaroni and cheese was no good and she cried and she's all upset with me and I said, well, forget about it. I don't care about you and your precious little feelings. So I, I don't care. I'm so heartless and stuff and she's all upset. Are we still married? Yeah. Yeah. Was there an automatic de facto divorce in there? No. No. Then I realized what a rat I am and I say these immortal words, you were because we we let's say we had an argument. You were right. I was wrong. He has flowers. Or if you really mess up, replace the word flowers with jewelry. Diamonds are a little severe, but I don't mess up that bad usually. But you know some. But 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 yeah. Here's your and so she's like, oh, I forgive you. Is that a good thing? Well, not to bribe her. Forgiveness isn't a good thing. But to clear the air is always a good thing. And so I would say with the Lord and our relationship with the Lord, if, we're, if we found ourselves that if we're not as in fellowship and communion as we should be, guess who moved? He doesn't hold us at arm's length and say, I don't care about you. I don't, I'm not really feeling particularly close to you. Right now. He doesn't do that. Sometimes we kind of have this drift in our intensity of our relationship, not in our actual standing with God. He's adopted us. When his forever family, not his conditional family. I always say this, if it's conditional life, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want it. Don't don't want it. However, whatever mechanism you put in place for me to lose it, I'll find it, I'll lose it. I just will. I know who I am. But if he keeps me, like he, the word says he keeps me, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you. Unconditional. What does it mean to forsake? It means to turn your heart away. I will never turn my heart away from you, Adam. That's what he says to me. That's what he says to you. What if I have a bad week, a bad year, a bad... I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't know. I don't know how else to say I don't know if that those words mean anything to you. But I think that's how I, I have my relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what he says to me. And that's how I take that right to... That's how I feel about it. I ain't changing. Um... Because you know what I think? I trusted him to save me, and I trust him to keep me. And if your argument is, well, you should trust him less and trust yourself more, don't, don't come around here with that argument. It's just going to fall on deaf ears. I trust him uttermost to keep me in that place. And I think Jesus says that at the Last Supper. You don't need a bath, Pete. 
you need a little touch-up work, though. You were walking on that road, and that's dust, and that's dirty. We're walking this world, and the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. Praise His holy name. I need that. I need. It. You need that, okay? I'm not being your judge. I'm being your brother who loves you. You need that. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Guess who we're not deceiving? We're not deceiving God. Hey, we're not even deceiving me, because I know this verse says, and I know the Bible says that all sin falls short of the glory of God, but I have people tell me, oh, I'm not a sinner. I'll point out a couple of things. Do you ever lie in your life, ever, once? Stretch the truth on taxes to to uh, help yourself a little bit? Did you ever, when you were in trouble, if I, boy, if I tell my wife this, she's going to be so mad, so I'll just tell her this. And uh, Not that I would ever do that, honey. You know better than that. But I mean, a guy might. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, you know, stretched the truth even just a little bit? Have you ever taken anything that belonged to you, even a little bit? Have you ever, and people will say, well, yeah, that's sin. Listen, let me tell you about sin, because let me define it in a way that you haven't. It's called, it means to miss the mark. Now, tra- tra- transgression is one thing. Missing the mark is another. You're made to glorify God. So you came into consciousness this morning, your alarm, alarm in my house, 6.30 this morning. Um, we're always awake for the alarm. We just are, okay? So the alarm rings, and we come into consciousness, and we start focusing on God, we start praising Him. We tell Him how much we love Him, how much we adore Him, how magnificent He is. And our whole life is consumed with praise to God. Well, I was brushing my teeth, and I didn't think I was thinking about God at all. But you're happy I brushed my teeth, so I didn't that. But I don't know if that was sin, but I wasn't glorifying like we should. So then we were singing praise to him right now, and we're supposed to be offering him a sacrifice of praise. And every moment of every song, I was so focused. I was so glorifying God. Every I didn't drift in. I wasn't thinking about what we had to do later. I wasn't. I perfectly sang every song. I perfectly glorified God every moment since I've been awake so far. He's saying, Adam, you're a liar. That's my point. That's my point. Who does that? We miss the mark. We all miss the mark, and we're all sinners. We're all mark missers. You don't have to rebel against God. You don't have to shake an angry fist and say, I ain't listening to you no more to be a sinner. You just have to fall short of his glory, his his perfection, his standard of perfection. And we're all in that category. And if truth be told, sometimes we've rebelled. Sometimes we knew what he wanted of us and we made a conscious choice to not do it. Even if we're walking in the light, we've done that. Even when we're having fellowship with him, we've done that. And the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing us from all sin. And if we say that that's never happened to us, that's silly. And if you really believe it, you're self-deceived. We're not, I don't think we're deceiving one another. If I say I never sinned, right? Because I was joking about me and Sue's uh, having a, a tete-a-tete there, a little dust-up. How many of you guys actually believe we've never had a fight in 41 years? There you go. <laughs> I, got one, I got one convert. The rest of you, I'll be working on you later. Uh, but, I, but I said that because I, it was coming to make a joke, and you know it was a joke. But nobody ever took it to heart and said, oh, I believe that they've never, ever had a... Because why? Because you're married, or because you've seen marriage, and you say that can't even happen. So there's no sense saying it does happen. Like if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what it means to walk in the truth. If we confess, 
How about admit? Because confess sounds like confessional, like sounds like that process I used to go through, right? If we homologeo in the, in the, in the Greek, you say, uh, I'm not, I don't speak Greek, I'll help you. Homo, homo, same. Say, oh, I get it. Right? Logeo, logos is word. Logeo is speak. If we speak the same, if we say the same thing that he says about our sin, then, and there's an if and a then. You know how there's a, because um, it says, if we confess, you know, I've told you this before. Um, there's three class conditions of Greek, if. There's if, and it means like if, like we would say it. A conditional if. And then this if and it is, and we would use the word since. If and it is. And then there's an if and it isn't. If I were a rich man. I'm not a rich man. You know, we're singing that if and it's not. You know what I mean? Here it's if, and it means if, like we would think of if. And if then. If we confess our sins. And we might not. But if we do, if we say the same thing about our sins that he said, says about our sins. What does he say about our sins? That they're sinful. That's very insightful. That they're damnable. That they're worthy of damnation. That the wages of sin is death. If we come to that place in our lives where we say, I'm a sinner and I deserve damnation, then, and only then, is he faithful and just to forgive us Dismiss our sins out of hand. He just dismisses them. Go away, sins. You don't count. You're not around here anymore. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, catheterize. You didn't even have that rather unpleasant. It's where you get all the poisons drained out of your body, catheterized. He catheterizes it, continually cleanses us from all of our sin. You're going to need that? You're going to need that. You're walking this world, you're going to pick up some dirt some sin, some, you know, even like, um, I see sin, I see sin, if you watch the news, and again, I would never suggest that. You're going to see, it's a a sin report. This happened, this happened, this happened, greedy men did this, unrighteous men did this, mayhem ensued, bad things happened. It's a sin report. It's not always even true. They tell you people who did sin, didn't, and people who didn't do sin did. Because we're living that topsy-turvy, right is wrong, and wrong is right, and sour is bitter, and bitter is sweet, and good is evil, evil is good, the whole thing, okay? We've seen that, right? Light is darkness. Just double speak. 1984 was never like this. It's just like that double speak, and now we've actually seen it happen. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. If we confess, we come to that place where we say the same things about he's, he's forgiven us our sins, he's cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And that's a wonderful thing. I think that's a salvation verse. I don't think it's a, I think the more like the daily thing is if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, the son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a wonderful thing. If we say that we have not sinned, didn't we say we have no sin in verse 8? Now, if we say we have no sin, yeah, but in verse 8, we're self-deceived. In verse 9, we're making him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, the Bible clearly says that all sin falls short of the glory of God. Not me. That's a problem. 
we're saying, God, you're wrong. And the Bible says, let, let uh, God be true and every man a liar. No matter how much we say it, we can, you know, join hand in hand and say that God ought to change and God's wrong about this and God, no, no. Last I know, I think the abortion rate was up to 60 million was the number or more. I don't know. Six million people think God's wrong about that, or maybe 50, whatever million, because some had several, right? God's wrong about that. I'm thinking, yeah. and changed my mind. I, I, I've said in my word, don't take a life. Just one example. Well, that's not wrong. Um, I haven't sinned. Mm, yeah, yeah. His word is not in them. So what's the what's the what's the takeaway here? Let me just sum it up quickly, okay? Well, let's see if we can land this thing, right? I'm not a sinner. I don't need any salvation. Wrong and wrong. Lord, you gotta walk with me. You gotta help me out here. You gotta. Okay, I mess up. I make mistakes. He's like, yeah, I know that, but you're, but you're ready to admit them, and and I got. I'm doing a work in you. I'm catheterizing you and everything else. So Matthew. By the way, all Scripture is best explained by Scripture. We come to that place where we admit our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about this before. When we, when, if you're in our Matthew study on Wednesday night, a long time ago, because we're in the Sermon on the Mount now. No, I mean the Sermon on the Mount uh, all of it discourse. This is a sermon on the mount a long time ago. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. So what is poor in spirit? Yeah. So we come to that place where we confess our sin. Then and only then is he faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We say, well, I don't need that. I'm not a sinner. That's a bad place to be because we're saying that he's a liar. Now here, he says the same thing. He says it a little different way. Blessed are the poor in spirit because you think I'm a sinner but what I'll do is I'll turn it around and I'll do more good than bad. That's a bad, bad choice. One, it's never going to happen. Two, what about the sin you've already committed? You think it's spiritually rich. I can do more good than bad. What life are you talking about? What verse are you looking at? But I'm looking at here in Matthew chapter 5. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Lord, I don't have any spiritual wealth. I'm spiritually bankrupt and I've come to that place where I understand I don't have nothing to commend myself to you before you. I, there's, not, there's nothing I can say that's going to make this okay. That in and of itself is a great place to be. Why? Because you get to go to heaven. It's for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. By the way, theirs is an emphatic. Theirs and theirs alone is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying you've got to become poor in spirit or you're never going to go to heaven. Do we see poor in spirit around all the time? No, we say, oh, I'm just like everybody else. Nothing wrong with me. I didn't. I never kill anyone. I never. I never cheat on my wife. What are they saying? I'm not sinning. But when you come to that place, Lord, I have nothing to commend myself before you. I'm. I'm totally spiritually bankrupt. He says. Come on in. Why is that a blessing to be there? Because they're the only ones who ever receive salvation the way it's offered as a free gift. I can't earn it. He says, you don't need to. Here's a gift. Here's eternal life. Thank you. Uh, if I have to try to earn it, I'm never going to do it. Why? Because I'm a sinner. And he says, ah, I've got a plan for sinners. If you confess, if you say 
what I've been saying all along. It's worthy of hell. Then and only then, I'm faithful. I'm just. I'll forgive that. And I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is wonderful. There's a problem. We're sinners. He's got a solution. The blood of my son. The only thing that stops us from accepting that free gift is we think that we're good enough. And I think we've learned this morning is the one thing that we can understand is we're not good enough. None of us are good enough. And if we say we're okay, we're making him a liar. And he's Again, let God be true and every man a liar. Okay, why don't we uh, have the musicians come and send us out of here in song. Listen, salvation is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's worth singing about. He's a, he's a good savior. He's worth praising. Uh, he, he, he just is, okay? Let's, uh, let's stand and, and we'll pray and we'll go out of here and, with, with song. Lord, we thank you for this great salvation that's ours. We've come to this, I mean, most of us, I, ostensibly all of us, I don't know, We've come to this place. Lord, yeah, you're right. We're bad. We need salvation. We're, we're not good people. We're, we do sin, and we need that the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to keep cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, I pray that you would uh, help us to walk in the light. No, just be real. Just reality, Lord. Just No, we, we don't have a secret agenda. Our agenda is just to... to to be friends with you, to, to walk with you, to share life, to do life together with you. So blessed to that end. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.